0: Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with Instant Pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.
1: From KQED. It's been a tumultuous week in Los Angeles. The shocking revelation that Latinx city council members made deeply racist comments against Black, Indigenous, Armenian, and other Angelenos. The scandal has made it clear that even in a progressive city like Los Angeles, there are still deep fissures around race, deep resentments between communities of color, and that some politicians, no matter their background, think they can bully people with impunity. I'm Sasha Koka. Today on The California Report magazine, we're going to take a deep dive into the career of another controversial Latino politician in L.A. To be clear, this is not someone at all involved in this week's scandal, but he is someone who surprised and disappointed many of the voters who once championed him. Sheriff Alex Villanueva.
2: Hi, Alex Villanueva.
1: During such times as I hold the office.
2: During such times as I hold the office.
1: The sheriff. The sheriff. The sheriff. He ran as a progressive reformer, an underdog maverick. Now he's up for re-election. And this time some of the people who propelled him to power want to boot him from office.
3: Politicians are famous for not actually doing what they say they'll do. So you never really know until they sit in the chair what kind of person they're going to be.
1: Today, the first episode of a new season of a podcast from LAist Studios called Imperfect Paradise, The Sheriff. We're turning over the mic to KPCC correspondent Frank Stoltz, who's been covering law enforcement in L.A. County for more than 30 years.
3: I've been to hundreds of news conferences in my career as a journalist, and never have I seen anything like the one I attended in April of 2022.
4: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'm in
3: the first floor press room. It's in the basement of LA's historic Hall of Justice. About a half a dozen reporters are there, along with some TV cameras and a bunch of armed sheriff's deputies in tan and green uniforms.
0: Now it is my
4: honor to present the sheriff of Los Angeles County, Alex Villanueva.
2: Morning, everyone. We'll walk her through from the starting point, which is March 10th of last year, the date of the incident in San Fernando court, which you're probably already familiar with,
3: you've seen the video, and then we we'll The video is from a courthouse security camera. It shows a pair of deputies escorting a man down the hallway. The man punches one of the deputies and two more run over to help. They wrestle him to the ground and handcuff him. One of the deputies puts his knee on the head of the man for more than three minutes. It's eerily similar to the George Floyd video. All of this happened a year before this, but the video had just been published by the LA Times. And some of Villanueva's own people, his own command staff were accusing him of trying to cover up the video. The sheriff denies this. He thinks the real problem is how the video got out in the first place. So he's called this news conference to announce he's launching a criminal investigation into the leak of the video. At this point, he pulls up a slideshow on a giant screen in the front of the room.
2: And this is not a leak. This is actually obstruction of justice. Go on to the next slide. So here are the three individuals that we want to know a lot about. This person said he gave it to this person, but somehow it landed in the hands of the third person, the reporter from the L.A. The sheriff Times.
3: has a wooden pointer stick in his hand, and the tip of it is touching the photo of an L.A. Times reporter, Aline Chakmedian. There are two other photos up there, too. One is of a former commander. Another is of the county's inspector general. They look almost like mugshots. I know Aline. She's sitting in the front row, furiously taking notes. The sheriff, at that point, addresses her directly.
2: Maybe you need to start clarifying exactly what you did with this and who did you get it from and when did you get it? So that's a question for you to answer.
3: At this point, Aline raises her hand and the sheriff points at her.
2: So with that, we're not gonna take a question from you. Anybody else has a question? Sheriff,
3: uh, I felt obligated to jump in. Sheriff, uh, <laughs> Sheriff, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Frank. Uh, it, it, it is uh, Aileen from the LA Times under investigation by the department?
2: The matter is under investigation, is all right? She, uh,
3: is, she part, is she under the, in, the investigation? The
2: matter is under investigation. This is stolen property that was removed illegally from people who had some intent, criminal intent,
3: Wait a minute, the matter is under investigation? What kind of answer was that? There's nothing more I enjoy than questioning a powerful person who appears to be blowing smoke up my ass. Sheriff, are you gonna answer the question? You placed your picture up there Mm -hmm. alongside two other people, Mm -hmm. and you talked about it in terms of a criminal investigation. Mm -hmm. Is this Los Angeles Times uh, reporter under investigation by the department?
2: Well, the act is under investigation. All parties to the act are subjects of the investigation. Now, that's why we do investigations. We don't just walk away and say, oh, well, you know, oh, well, so sad. No. Is she
3: one the parties?
2: Well, she received the information and then she put, put it to her own use. When it's stolen material, at some point, you actually become part of the story.
3: Sheriff Alex Villanueva is one of the most powerful law enforcement officials in the country. He leads a department with 10,000 deputies. He has a $3.5 billion budget. And he's saying he's investigating Aline for doing her job as a journalist. It looked a lot like retaliation. The LA Times called it an abuse of power and threatened legal action. And that night, Villanueva actually backed down. He denied he ever said Aline was under investigation. This is not the sheriff that people thought they were getting back in 2018. Back then, candidate Alex Villanueva promised to fix a deeply troubled department.
2: I'm Alex Villanueva, and I'm candidate for sheriff for Los Angeles County. My candidacy is about reforming, rebuilding, and restoring the sheriff's department.
3: The reform element is very simple. He ran on a platform of ending corruption. My intention as sheriff is to wipe the slate clean, protecting immigrants. I am not going to allow ICE physically be inside the jail system. And progressive values.
2: It's been 138 years since the last Democrat was elected sheriff.
3: Villanueva was proud of who he was. And voters loved it.
1: When he won, we felt a great sense of possibility for change.
3: We saw it as a signal of hope against Trumpism. But after taking office, things went off the rails. I knew I was being threatened. That was pretty clear. But
4: what exactly it was he was going to do to me was unclear. It's like an enemy's <laughs> list. He was investigating anybody who was critical of him.
0: He's probably one of the most vindictive, retaliatory persons I have ever met. This is pure retaliation and trying to suppress their speaking up. And in the course of that, that's
3: when he made the the blackmail attempt. I've been reporting on law enforcement in LA for 30 years, and I've never really covered someone quite like Alex Villanueva. I'm going to take you through what happened after he became sheriff in 2018. I'm going to show you how a man who ran as a progressive reformer in liberal L.A. County ended up as a darling of Fox News.
0: Your priorities are so exactly in the right place. I just have to ask you, are people thanking you for taking a stand on this? Well, I got a
2: lot of people that are thanking me from across the political spectrum, except for one group, the woke left.
3: Man, why didn't you run for governor? Threatening to open a criminal investigation into a reporter is just the beginning. And this November, Alex Villanueva is up for re-election. Do I put these things on or? Uh, If you want to, I mean, you don't have to. I, I, Alex Villanueva I and I are sitting in a studio at KPCC so in Pasadena. Hour. It's late July. For more than two months, the sheriff has been putting off my request for an interview. Finally, he arrives in an unmarked SUV with his security detail two plainclothes deputies and a PR person from his re-election campaign. He's not in uniform either. Instead, he's wearing a Tommy Bahamas polo shirt with the words L.A. Sheriff's Department on the front. He walks with a limp, he's got a bad knee, and seems relaxed as he sits down for an interview. I appreciate you coming in. No, no problem. I wanted to talk to Alex Villanueva to learn what he was like as a kid to understand why he thought the sheriff's department needed to be reformed and why he thought he was the man to do it. I also want to give him a chance to respond to criticism. Villanueva is 59 years old. He was born in Chicago to a Polish-American mother. He spent his early years in Rochester, New York, before moving in the fourth grade to Puerto Rico, where his father was born.
2: I was nine years old. I couldn't count to five in Spanish.
3: Did you feel out of place in, in Puerto Rico? You, did, was it hard for you?
2: No, they're very receptive folks, real hospitable to, to foreigners. And other than them being teased by being a gringo, because, you know, light-skinned, blue eyes, and on an island where people—there are people just like me that are Puerto Rican, but most tend to be a little more darker-skinned.
3: Vinoeva loved reading as a kid. His favorite book was Don Quixote.
2: The very first sentence, you always know it.
3: That's not totally right, but he did nail the first half of the sentence.
2: And then the concept of tilting at windmills, quixotic, that phrase is in part of our lingua now. I guess you tilt at windmills a little bit, right? And I knock them down.
3: After high school, Villanueva joined the Air Force and ended up stationed in Southern California. He signed up for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department a few years later in 1986 because it paid well, and he had a new baby to support. The Sheriff's Department is actually much bigger than the better-known LAPD. The LAPD patrols the city of L.A. exclusively, but the L.A. Sheriff's Department covers far-flung areas of the county from East L.A. to the high desert. It also patrols 42 individual cities, including Compton and Malibu. The biggest difference, the sheriff runs the county's massive jail system. But, you know, over the years, the LAPD has gotten a lot more attention from journalists and the public. That's partially because one of the biggest police violence scandals of the 20th century happened at the LAPD.
2: As soon as it hit the airwaves, it created a firestorm. Video recorded by a man named George Holliday from the balcony of his apartment in Lakeview Terrace. It showed
4: LAPD officers beating Rodney King with their batons.
3: I was new to L.A. I had just started working in the news department at KLON Jazz Radio. Here's my broadcast five days after the beating. I sounded a lot different back then. The videotape has already caused national alarm and has led to calls for the police chief's ouster. Meanwhile, the police department is conducting an internal investigation while the county will start presenting its case to a grand jury today. After a jury found the officers not guilty, the city exploded. It was just two words, not guilty, heard
2: over and over again at the Simi Valley Courthouse that triggered all the violence. There are fires, at least 40 separate significant fires in South Central Los Angeles, more than 150 all total since 730 this evening.
3: Villanueva was a few years on the job at this point, and he told me he was chasing people around East L.A.
2: We actually stopped rioters on Whittier Boulevard and Ford in East L.A and they were setting fire in the trash cans that were starting to break windows.
3: He was a member of the California National Guard at the time, too. And after a few days, he put on his green camouflage uniform, and he patrolled the streets with an M-16. I was armed with a cell phone the size of a brick, but the battery wasn't great. So most of the time, I went from payphone to payphone, filing reports as fires burned nearby. At one point, a woman warned me to get off the streets, and she invited me into her home, and I used her landline to file some reports. Another woman I interviewed expressed the sentiments of a lot of people.
1: What I think about going to the video showed everything. You know, you just can't beat nobody down like that.
3: What do you think about all this violence? Are you scared?
1: Uh, No, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I just would say it's destroyed a lot. But they need to destroy it. They need to do a a little. I mean, they they beat up Mexican people, they beat up blacks, but you let a a police beat up a white man. You let a police beat up a white man. And they ain't going to beat a white man up.
3: A lot of people said, look, I don't like the violence, but something needs to be done to wake people up to what police are doing in the city. Did riots have an effect on you? Did it change the way you thought about policing?
2: I paid a lot of attention to what Sherman Block did and Daryl Gates did during the riots. And I thought they did horrible because their decisions cost a lot of lives, a lot of misery, property destroyed because they were not decisive at the inception of the riot. And the worst thing you can do is telegraph that you're not going to enforce the rule of law. So, worst thing you can do.
3: In other words, he would have done things differently than the sheriff and the head of the LAPD. A special commission created by the city after the King beating issued a scathing report about the LAPD. Some officers were sending racist computer messages to each other, and a significant number were using excessive force. There was less attention given to the sheriff's department, but it had the same problems. And they were all spelled out in a seminal lawsuit that was filed just a few years after Villanueva became a deputy. It was filed by a group of more than 70 Black and Latino residents from a small, lower-income community in South L.A. called Linwood. They described how deputies were terrorizing them with indiscriminate shootings and beatings and trashing their homes during nighttime raids. At the heart of the lawsuit was this bombshell claim that a white supremacist gang of deputies operating out of the Linwood Sheriff Station was causing most of the mayhem. They were called the Linwood Vikings. So what was the department like when you joined?
2: Definitely did not look like me. It was old, very uh, stifling, very bureaucratic, steeped in tradition, and this is the way we do things and don't ask questions. And me, I'm always full of questions, like, why do we do what we're doing, and can we do it better?
3: But the things Villanueva identified as problems, the things he wanted to do better— they didn't have much to do with police violence or deputy gangs. They were more quixotic quests, and they frequently brought him into conflict with his higher-ups. Villanueva decided smoking should be banned inside L.A. County's jails, which was not a popular opinion at the time. But he took it all the way up to the guy who ran the jails.
2: And he just turned beet red. veins popped out of his neck, and he's like, ''How dare you suggest that I don't care about my employees?'' He threw me out of his office.
3: You know, what gets me is you weren't daunted at all. I mean, you're, you're wet behind the ears. You're still considered a rookie, really, for a few years, right? You're a rookie. Mm-hmm. You, weren't, you weren't daunted, you know, by pushing this as a brand new guy? It was the right thing to do. Villanueva actually prevailed, and eventually the sheriff ordered a smoking ban inside the jails. He was a man who wanted to change things, so he decided to get into politics. In 1992, he ran for city council in San Dimas, a community east of LA. He lost, but that was just a warm up. The next year, he ran for sheriff. He told the LA Times that deputy morale was low and he was the guy to fix it. Sheriff, that's pretty ballsy for you to even consider running as a guy with eight years and 33, you said? Mm hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure Alex Villanueva is aware of just how out there his ideas are. The guy who has known Villanueva forever, Matt Rodriguez, told me something similar.
4: I go back to Alex Villanueva back to 1998. He and I were staff instructors at the Sheriff's Academy.
3: Matt Rodriguez is a retired sheriff's captain. I interviewed him in January 2022 after a debate. Back then, he was running against Villanueva for sheriff. He ended up losing in the primary. So, take what he says with a grain of salt.
4: Well, you know, when we were sergeants, Alex Villanueva was a pretty rogue sergeant. And, uh, you what know, do you mean rogue? rogue? he sent an email to the command staff calling them morally bankrupt. Now, as a sergeant, you know that's not probably the wisest career decision. It worked out for Alex, but it wasn't going to work out for me. So it was made very clear to me that if I wanted to have a career and my three young children and my wife at the time that didn't work wanted to have a career in a future, I probably should put some distance between Alex Villanueva and I. And I did that and had a successful career after.
3: Wait a minute, you, you cut loose your friend uh, for your own career?
4: Oh, why not? Yeah, I sure did because Alex was actually out of control. You don't send a uh, an email to the command staff calling them morally bankrupt when you're a sergeant. So yeah, you know what? I kind of had to look out for my family, Frank. So he's
3: kind of had this streak in him all along, this streak of bucking the system of
4: fighting the, the establishment. He calls it uh, speaking truth to power. But for really, it's a very personal thing for him. He always had felt like he's the underdog or discriminated against and, you know, very the first person to, to claim racism and, you know, that he was discriminated against because of his race. I'm Mexican-American. He's uh, Puerto Rican. So, you know, I couldn't support that any longer.
3: In the year 2000, Villanueva was promoted to sergeant, but he had trouble making the next rank lieutenant. He thought he knew why.
2: I think as a Latino, I was supposed to have my hat in my hand to be thankful to have a job and be quiet. You, You should not be contemplating anything above sergeant or lieutenant if you get lucky.
3: Villanueva spoke up loudly and frequently about the discrimination he believed he was facing. He wrote a letter to his command staff, the one Matt Rodriguez told me about. And while he didn't call them morally bankrupt, he came pretty close. He said... Deliberately attempting to suppress or retard the upward mobility of Latinos on our department is illegal, immoral, and politically incomprehensible. When he wrote his dissertation for a doctorate in public administration, it was on this very topic, that big law enforcement agencies didn't promote people of color. He also filed a lawsuit against the sheriff's department. He said the lieutenant's exam was rigged, and that when he reported it to his superiors, they retaliated against him. And on that second point, he was vindicated. An investigation later found that the answers in fact were being given out and scores were being altered for favored candidates. The man behind this scandal, Paul Tanaka, a man whose name would become notorious for his part in a jail violence cover-up in just a few years. What was the takeaway from you? From that whole experience
2: you know sadly it was a wake-up call that people are corrupt and they will they will um alter and game any system they have control over to basically achieve their goals
3: at the time that Biñueva was suing the department a man named lee Baca was sheriff his right-hand man was a guy named paul tanaka remember the linwood vikings deputy gang tanaka was a tattooed member So Villanueva told me Tanaka was the one keeping him down, preventing him from advancing, because it was Tanaka who was rigging the lieutenant's exam.
2: He wanted to run the entire department, have every single person loyal to him. So he was promoting people that were shy of being brain dead. They had an ethical dilemma. They had a bad uh, internal affairs case where they should have been fired or maybe got fired got their job back. They always had something where because the department brought them back in the fold, they had to be loyal to the decision-maker that brought them back. In this case, it was always Paul Tanaka. And that would rear its ugly head later on down the history of the department.
3: Around 2005 or so, when Tanaka started overseeing the jails, the ACLU started hearing terrible stories from inside. Here's a recording from inside the jail. It's video the LA County Sheriff's Department did not want you to see inmates screaming,
1: dragged, bleeding, and unconscious from their cells in 2008.
4: Good evening, I'm Mark Brown.
3: Deputies would create what they call extraction teams, and they would don metal helmets and football pads to drag people out of their cells. Much of the violence was carried out by these two deputy gangs. They were the 2,000 boys and the 3,000 boys, and they wore matching tattoos. The numbers referred to the floors they walked inside Men's Central Jail. Sheriff Baca denied it all. By 2011, unbeknownst to Baca, the FBI had opened an investigation into the jails. They began using a man being held in jail as an informant and gave him a cell phone. Paul Tanaka found out, and he decided to hide the informant from the FBI, erasing his name from jail records and shuffling him around. And Sheriff Baca warned the FBI to stay out of his jails. But two years later...
2: Several former and current deputies with the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department were just arrested as part of a major sting that targeted everything
3: from corruption to inmate abuse. The FBI arrested 12 sheriff's deputies affiliated with the jail scandal. A few weeks later, Baca held a press conference.
4: I'm not gonna seek reelection for a fifth term as sheriff, and I will retire at the end of this month. And I don't see myself as the future. I see myself as part of the past.
3: Federal prosecutors later filed obstruction of justice charges against Baca and Tanaka.
1: No one is above the law. This is a fundamental principle in our society. And when it is violated, it's the job of the Department of Justice to step in and hold individuals accountable. And that is why we are here today.
3: Both Baca and Tanaka went to prison. This was a department in a leadership crisis, where gangs of deputies were brutally beating people in jail, and where you got ahead not based on merit, but on a corrupt system of loyalty. And so it was no surprise that in 2014, voters elected an outsider, the former Long Beach Police Chief Jim McDonald, as their next
4: sheriff. We are all at a defining and historic moment for our sheriff's department. Working together, we can move beyond past problems, rebuild the fractured relationship with our community, and usher in a new era for this great department.
3: McDonald promised to clean up the department. He instituted a harsher system of discipline, and modeled it in part on the LAPD, where he'd spent more than three decades. It was a shock to the rank-and-file, who didn't like the idea of an outsider in the first place. Deputies came to loathe McDonnell. So did Lieutenant Alex Vinueva, which I found surprising, given how Vinueva had been affected personally by the corruption under Baca and Tanaka. Why wouldn't he support a guy who said he was here to clean it up?
2: I had no love for McDonald. I had three times I had written to him, his chief of staff, that I wanted to interview for three positions, captain rank positions, that I knew I was competitive, if not the most competitive for the job. And all three, they politely told me to basically pounce in. I couldn't even interview for the job.
3: Talking to Villanueva, it seemed like his advancement and the reform of the department were inextricably tied together. At first, he couldn't get promoted under Baca and Tanaka. Now, they were in federal prison, and he was working for a new sheriff, but his career was still stalling. So he quit and asked voters to give him a promotion to the top job.
2: I was already a 10-year deputy, so was my wife. And we learned a lot through the process of how the organization morphed this
3: On June 28, 2017, Villanueva made his announcement on the grass outside the East LA Sheriff Station. He's wearing a suit and a striped tie, and his salt-and-pepper hair is clipped to a tight buzz. He shifts back and forth on his feet, gesturing with one hand. The video was later posted on Facebook. It's nearly impossible to hear him over the wind.
2: And my intention as sheriff is to wipe the, the slate clean, but clean house first. You got to get rid of corruption. You got to get rid of the mechanism with which corruption survives within your organization.
3: 30 seconds into his speech, whoever is filming suddenly switches the camera from horizontal to vertical. At this point, it's just Villanueva, his wife and his nephew working on the campaign. It's amateur hour, a long shot bid for sheriff that everybody thinks is going nowhere. And it was classic Alex Villanueva, the upstart, the underdog, Don Quixote.
1: You can hear more of Frank Stoltz hosting the newest season of Imperfect Paradise, The Sheriff, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a production of LA's studios. Emily Guerin is the senior producer, Marina Pena, the producer, with associate producer Francisco Aviles Pino. Editing by Meg Kramer and Paul Glickman. Fact checking by Caitlin Antonios. Sound design and scoring by E. Scott Kelly and Marina Pena. Original music by Jay Valle. Bruna Lopez Vega is the podcast intern. Antonia Cerejido and Shana Naomi Crockmall are the executive producers. The California Report Magazine is a production of KQED in San Francisco. Our team includes Victoria Mauleon, Susie Racho, Brendan Willard, Izzy Bloom, and Jessica Carissa. I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report Magazine, your state, your stories.
0: Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.